What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Sarah Zard on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Sarah, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, So a little bit about me as a backstory. My husband and I got married in 2016. So we've been married for three years together for seven. And we didn't want kids right away, but we knew eventually at some point we were going to want kids. So I want to say it was the end of 2017, I decided to go off birth control because I had been on birth control since I was about 17 years old. And I was like, okay, you know, I think it's time we should not necessarily try, but we're not preventing uh, to have a baby. So, you know, January comes around and I don't get a period and I'm like, oh, well, maybe we got pregnant. Like, this is exciting. Nope, that was not the case. Um, then I went a couple more months without my period and I was like, okay, this is weird. Maybe it's just because my body is taking about, you know, longer time than normal to get off birth control since I've been on it for the better part of a decade. And finally around June, 2018, I went to the doctors. So I'm like, okay, something's up. This isn't normal. And they ran my blood test. They did an ultrasound and my OB comes back and she goes, um, So it looks like you have PCOS and I remember my heart just stopped and I'm like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Like, you know, because everyone was telling me, oh, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Relax. Everything's going to be fine. You know, it's just, you know, you're stressing yourself out. And so I remember calling my mom crying, going, there is something wrong with me. Like Joe and I are going to have a really hard time having kids. You know, I don't know what we're going to do. And so I talked to my doctor about a couple weeks later after we kind of just sat on the diagnosis a little bit. And he's like, let's try um, doing around a Clomid and Thimera. Are you familiar with Thimera at all? Just like I haven't taken it, but like just from stories. Okay. So it's not necessarily designed actually for reproduction like Clomid is. It's actually used in cancer patients, so I'm not really 100% sure how it helps with ovulation, but I had done Is a lot it of really? Re- I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally oh, didn't know that either until I looked it up. Yeah, they okay. um, give it to patients with breast cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we tried a couple rounds of that, and it, you know, it didn't work, and then unfortunately, I got laid off from my job, and we had to put the... Uh, attempting to have a baby on hold for about eight months, which was really frustrating. And so fast forward to when all of this happened. Around May, I finally landed a position and this will play into my story. Um, I'm actually a traveling healthcare consultant. I fly back and forth for my job. So on Sunday nights, I fly out down to my position down in North Carolina and I'm down there till about Thursday and then I come home. And then I'm home for three days and then I start over. 
so we knew that was going to be a challenge trying to have kids because obviously you know you have a certain window and there was no chance that you know Joe and I were going to be home at the same time so that was kind of frustrating in itself but we're like you know if the opportunity happens you know let's just try and see what happens because every time we've ever tried to conceive a child it was never successful so you know we kind of didn't really put too much effort into it or get our hopes up and so end of July or August is when we're thinking I conceived we're not a hundred percent sure but you know I was, I want to say it was the weekend of July 27th. You know, I waited the two week wait. I took a test and it was negative and I was like, okay, well, you know, I kind of figured that was going to happen. And I just went about my business a couple weeks later. And I don't know why it never processed in my head to take a pregnancy test, but I was moody. I was, you know, going to the bathroom all the time. I was gaining weight. My acne was out of control. My boobs were super tender. And I'm just like, man, you know, I just really wish this period would get here already. And like, I don't know why these symptoms just keep going on for weeks. And I don't know what possessed me finally to take a test, but I was home for Labor Day. Um, so the cool thing about my job is if there's a holiday during the week, I actually get to work remote for the entire week as opposed to flying down for my job. And I remember being on a conference call and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test and we're just going to see because like I said, I kept gaining weight and I was trying to eat healthy and lose weight. So I wasn't understanding what was happening. And I remember looking down and seeing that second line and it didn't register with me right away. Like I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. I've never seen a second line before. And then it finally clicked. And I'm like, oh. We did it. Are you are you on the conference call? <laughs> yes, I am. And I promptly hang up on this call. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like flabbergasted that I'm actually pregnant. So I'm like, I quickly hang up on the call and I start like speed dialing my husband over and over and over. And he finally answers. He's like, what? And I, and I just blurted it out. Like I had this full intention of telling him really cute that he was going to be a dad, but I was just like, Joe, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, excuse me? I do the same thing. It's like, gosh, I really wanted to do something cute, but. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, you had this all planned in your head for your first baby. Nope. I was just so excited that I called him. I'm like, we're going to be parents. I'm pregnant. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to go back to work now and try and process what you just told me. <laughs> so. I ended up calling my parents and I told them and you know I was like I I'm guessing based on my last menstrual I should be about six or seven weeks and so then you know I immediately called my OB and I'm like I got a, I got a positive pregnancy test like when can I come in and see the you know get all the stuff done and she's like well given your schedule because like I said I'm only really home on Fridays during the week she's like let's shoot for September 27th which was almost a month out from finding out. So I found out on the third and my appointment wasn't until the 27th, which was agonizing. And I'm like, you know, is there any way we can maybe test my hormone levels? Because I had been doing a lot of research with PCOS and pregnancy. And she's like, no, I'm pretty confident that your level should be fine. You know, we'll just wait till the 27th. I'm like, okay. So, you know, everything's going fine. 
traveling is becoming a little bit more taxing just because I'm pregnant and I'm a little bit exhausted. Um, then September 11th rolls around like this day already isn't miserable enough for us. And I'm in the bathroom and I go to wipe and I see blood. And, you know, you instantly get that your heart stops, your, you know, it falls into the pit of your stomach feeling. And I remember trying to keep my composure and, you know, grabbing my cell phone really quick from my desk and walking outside and calling my OB, like trying to hold back tears, you know, telling them I'm bleeding, you know, what do I need to do? Like what's going on? And they're like, and it, looking back on it, it almost irritates me how blase they were about it. They're like, oh, you shouldn't be too concerned about it. You know, it's pretty common for women to bleed when they're pregnant. They're like, if you fill up a pad within an hour, you know, then we suggest going to the ER. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. You know, women experience spotting in their first trimester. And that did not sit well with me. For some reason, something just didn't feel right. So I went throughout the rest of the day and I got back to my hotel at about five o'clock in the evening. So I had worked a really long day and I went to the bathroom again. And when I stood up, there was like more blood at the bottom of the toilet and there's pieces. And at this point I am just sobbing. I remember calling my husband going, the bleeding's picked up. I'm freaking out. I'm like, I'm not going to feel confident in this. I'm going to the ER. And so this was, you know, kind of hard because with my husband being nine hours away, I'm by myself. So I'm having to drive myself to the ER and potentially be told that, you know, I'm having a miscarriage. So I get to the ER and, you know, they take me back. They were super nice. They confirmed the pregnancy. Uh, they did my HCG levels and they came back at 2,900. And they're like, you know, this is good. You're definitely pregnant. You know, let's do an ultrasound. So, you know, they wheel me back and I, you know, from watching enough TV shows and just knowing the experiences, I knew that the ultrasound tech wasn't going to tell me anything one way or the other. But, you know, you always hope to kind of watch their face to like see if maybe you can kind of catch what they're thinking. And so we get done with the ultrasound. They bring me back to the room and the doctor comes in about 20 minutes later and she's like, okay, so the baby's measuring at five weeks in two days. And instantly in my head, I'm like, that's not right. Like I should be six or seven weeks depend, you know, based on my last cycle. And she's like, well, with PCOS, you know, you could have ovulated late. Um, she's like, or this could be a missed miscarriage. And that was the first time I heard that, you know, term of missed miscarriage. And I'm like, what is that? And she's like, you know, unfortunately the baby passes and there's really no sign or symptom of it. She's like, but you know, with you being so early, there is a possibility that we just don't see anything yet because at this point, all they were seeing was a gestational sac. And she's like, I want you to go follow up with your OB in two days and get your levels rechecked. So I was like, okay. And at that point, I don't think it was really clicking in my head what was going to happen. Like I was still trying to stay incredibly optimistic that I'm like, okay, maybe I ovulated late. You know, the baby's going to be okay. It's just too tiny. But like deep down in my head, I knew that it wasn't possible, but I was still trying to hold out hope. So I get home, they rerun the levels and, you know, they told me if you come in at like eight o'clock in the morning. We should have your levels, you know, your results to you by the end of the day. 
So, you know, I'm in there first thing in the morning. I'm like literally waiting for them to open the doors. Cause I'm like, I can't handle this. Like I need to know what's going on. And unfortunately I had to wait all weekend and that just felt like years. I was constantly checking my, my chart, waiting to see if maybe the results would post, you know, and unfortunately I had to wait till the, you know, following Monday. So September 16th rolls around and I'm at work for about an hour when the doctor calls me and she's like, I have, I have your results. And unfortunately it looks like you are having a miscarriage. Your levels have dropped down to 2,300. So in a matter of 48 hours, they dropped by 600. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I wanted to talk a bit about lube. Yes, lube. I would give a fair TMI warning beforehand, but let's be real. There's no such thing as TMI on this podcast. Okay, who here uses lube? I do. Who here makes sure your lube is fertility friendly? I do. Even when not trying to conceive, I ensure my lube is fertility friendly because honestly, how is a non-fertility friendly lube even natural? Anyways, today let's talk Fairhaven Health's Baby Dance Lube. Baby Dance Lube is the only fertility-friendly lubrication that is paraben-free and cleared by the FDA. The patented formula is pH matched to fertile cervical mucus and semen. This means sperm won't die in the lubricant. Isn't that what we're all after? Now go get your baby dance on, ladies. As I always say, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't forget to visit fairhavenhealth.com or use the link in the description of this episode to get your hands on some baby dance lubricant. And shout out to Fairhaven Health for offering us lamb ladies a 10% discount using code LAM, capital L-A-M. Now let's get back to today's episode. And... It was very odd. I just remember saying, okay, that's what I thought. Thank you. And just being so calm on the phone. Like it wasn't a big deal. And I just, as soon as I hung up, packed up all my stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm going to lose it. I can't be sitting in the office. And I text a couple of my coworkers and tell them that there's a family emergency and I need to go back and work from the hotel the rest of the day. Cause um, I needed, you know, to be ready for my phone. I, you know, I made up some excuse and I made, it felt like the longest walk to my car. It was only two minutes, but you know, it felt like a year. And as soon as I got in the car, I broke down crying. And I remember calling Joe and having, unfortunately tell him that at work too. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. The doctor confirmed we're having a miscarriage. Um, she still wants us to keep our appointment on the 27th, which was in two weeks. And, you know, I even asked her, I'm like, can you try and get me in sooner? And she's like, unfortunately, we don't have anything. So I had to walk around for two weeks knowing that my baby was gone. And it was hard. Um, I did the best I could to work that day. But, you know, at that point, your brain's just completely shut off. And you're just trying to make sense of anything in your head. And what didn't help was we were going actually on vacation that week. We found out we were losing, you know, we had lost the baby. We were going to visit some friends of mine in Florida. And so I'm like, you know, this is great. You know, I'm going to be, we planned this vacation. We're trying to have fun and there's a potential I'm going to end up miscarrying my child in my friend's bathroom. Like, that's just great. And... The, the next two weeks were just honestly a complete blur. It was really hard to deal with the pregnancy symptoms and knowing that the baby wasn't there. But, you know, part of me still kept holding on this 
hope that, you know, maybe the baby did grow, you know, like I was doing Google, Dr. Google stuff, you know, for hours trying to, you know, find women's stories of maybe did their HCG levels drop and then did they go back up? And then that's when I discovered the term um, blighted ovum or an embryonic pregnancy. And I'm like, what is this? And so, you know, I started researching it more and I'm like, that is, and you know, reading up on it, it's honestly the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, you know, to have a gestational sac grow, but then no baby. I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, that can't be it. I'm like, that just sounds like a weird rarity. So we get to my final appointment on the 27th and they do blood work and then they send me over for an ultrasound. And I remember getting to the ultrasound clinic to have the ultrasound done. And I told the lady, she's like, oh, you're here for a pregnancy ultrasound. I'm like, yeah, but we're confirming that my baby's gone. Like, I didn't want her to like get all excited about this. Like, I wanted her to know that like going into this, I fully, I, I know what's going on. Like, let's not sugarcoat this. I've already been trying to process this for a couple weeks. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, well, why would you say that? She's like, because your HCG levels came back and they're almost 7,000. And I just look at her and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, how can they spike by almost five, you know, by almost 5,000? And she's like, well, let's take a look. And so, you know, she, you know, put the wand in and we're doing the ultrasound and I did my best to try and move my head in a way that I could see the screen. I knew she wasn't going to show me the screen, but I wanted to see it. And sure enough, it looked the same as my ER ultrasound because I had requested records because I wanted an ultrasound photo of our baby. And it was just the sack. And she's like, you know, I'm so sorry. Um, the baby's only measuring now at six weeks, which, you know, for a two week window, it should have gone up to seven. Um, and she's like, and I still don't see anything other than a sack. And so that was hard um, hearing that because you almost feel like your body cheated you. Like, congratulations, you're pregnant. You have your two positive, you know, you have your two positive lines and you have all the symptoms, your stomach's growing and there's nothing there. And I almost like the, the waves of emotions I had finding that out like I felt almost embarrassed and ashamed that I'm like I don't have a right to grieve like there was no baby in there like the baby didn't even like get to form I'm like so you know I I just need to figure out how to process this and move forward and for like a good couple days I thought I was okay and I'm like you know it was a blighted ovum there wasn't actual there wasn't an actual baby like I was treating my baby like it wasn't actually there you know I was just trying to find any way to cope with it and as it moved on and I kept doing research, you know, and I talked to my doctor the day of my surgery, cause we decided to do a DNC cause she gave me my option. She's like, you know, we can do a DNC, we can wait naturally, or we can give you some pills to take. And I'm like, I really don't want to wait to do the natural route. And I really don't want to do the pill route while I'm traveling. Cause the last thing I need to do is have a miscarriage on a plane. Cause that just sounds like the most miserable time possible. So we did the surgery on 10-3. I came home feeling kind of sluggish and just kind of feeling defeated. Like, you know, we finally were able to get pregnant. And I remember my doctor telling me, she's like, 
well, you know, this is good. At least you can get pregnant. And I'm like, super. But, you know, that, that doesn't change the fact that my baby's gone and that this didn't last. And I kept asking her, I'm like, do you think my PCOS had anything to do with this? Could it have anything to do with my hormone levels? And she's like, no, I'm pretty confident it had nothing to do with that. And it was probably a chromosomal abnormality that caused the baby just to not form early on. And I even told her afterwards, I'm like, well, when we try for baby number two, um, I want, you know, my levels checked instantly and I want to, you know, be put on progesterone or baby aspirin or whatever. I'm like, cause I do not want to do this again because I spent a good two weeks afterwards, you know, convincing myself that I'm like, nope, we're just not going to have kids. There's no way I can do this again. I'm like, you know, the excitement of finding out that you're pregnant only to find out that your baby's gone in a matter of a month. I'm like, I can't do this. And it, that's when the emotions started changing more from anger and not accepting that the baby was there to more just being upset that our child didn't get to make it. And, you know, I did okay for the most part when I was at work, you know, cause I was constantly keeping busy with everything. But once I got home, that's when, you know, my feelings would rush in and I would probably have a good crying session for about 20 minutes, almost on a weekly basis about it. So, and you know, that was a couple months ago. Uh, my doctor asked me to wait a couple cycles before we tried again, which was the most frustrating thing on the planet, you know, being told you can't try and get pregnant. And she's like, like, you know, your options are we can either wait to see if you have your cycles naturally, but with your given history, there's a chance that might not happen. And then you're going to have to wait longer. She's like, because I want your lining to build back up. So my doctor put me back on birth control for a couple months just so that I could build up my lining. And what we're looking at doing now is uh, my husband and I actually ordered the Obisense fertility monitor just so that we can try and be better pinpoint when I ovulate since obviously I don't know when I, I ovulate due to PCOS so that we can try and find so that we can be more successful with trying for baby number two. And that's kind of where we're at. So right now you're still on birth control? Yes, I am currently finishing up the last week of the pill pack. Like from, how long did they put you on it? They put me on it immediately after my surgery. So my surgery was on 10-3 and I started them on 10-7. Yeah. So you're on like your last, last week of it. Yes. Oh, that's, how are you feeling? Excited? Nerve wracking? Um, a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Definitely nervous because, you know, I told my husband and everyone else that I've talked to, because, you know, I, I did open up on social media about it that I'm like, you know, unfortunately, September was the best and the worst month of our lives. We, uh, you know, found out we were pregnant and then we lost our baby. And I told my husband, I'm like, the excitement I got seeing those two lines is never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. You're going to have that level of excitement but it's immediately going to be followed by fear. Like, 
is this going to happen again? Am I going to miscarry the baby? Is it another blighted ovum? You know, and then, you know, I've been religiously listening to your podcast. It has helped me so much and listening to these women. And I'm just like, I give them so much credit. Like they got farther along in their pregnancies than I did. And, you know, they're still trying to find a way to just keep moving forward. So, and my friend, I went out to dinner with one of my friends once, um, shortly after my surgery. And, you know, I was telling her, I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I'm really afraid to try again. And she's like, Sarah, you can look at it this way. You can not try at all. And that guarantees, in fact, that you won't be a mom. You won't have kids. Or you can try, and yeah, it may happen again, and I hope to God it doesn't, but what if it doesn't? You know, what if you do get to make it to 40 weeks and you get to deliver your baby? She's like, that's just kind of how you have to look at it, and that mindset has helped me tremendously. Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really good advice. Uh, It kind of goes with what I always say is just, like, keep your eyes on the prize. Like, that's literally the only thing you can do. Exactly. That's going to pull you through. Oh yeah. And especially, you know, during the holidays where you feel like everyone is oh, announcing the holidays their pregnancies. <laughs> it is it is brutal. Uh-huh. Last yeah, week was why really is that? Why does everybody feel the need to announce on holidays? I don't know. It must just be because you have the super cute options of announcing yeah. your pregnancy, but I've literally seen like ten in the last two weeks. Yeah. And you know, last week was hard enough for us because that's when we were going to announce our pregnancy. So you know, watching like four other people be able to do it, you know, stung a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I just kept telling myself, I'm like, you know, you're almost done with this pill pack, you know, then we're going to start trying and then it's going to be your turn. Like, that's the only thing I can keep telling myself. Yeah, for sure. It is. I mean, it is the only thing you can keep telling yourself, you know, it's a crazy ride, isn't it? (laughs) It is. You know, truthfully, I never even realized how long and emotionally, physically, you know, emotionally and physically painful this process was. Because you know, when you hear someone has a miscarriage, you think it's like a one in one day thing. They don't yeah. see the behind the scenes at this like. Mine took you know almost three weeks. Yeah, the limbo of just kind of waiting is usually how it starts. You know, is yeah, it's ridiculous. And um, one thing that. Like, I do have to say, I think so many of us can be grateful for in this sense is like, I don't know about you, but do you feel like it's kind of opened your eyes a little bit to like what other women have gone through? Like for me, I feel like I was probably totally one of those people that would have been like very insensitive with my pregnancy announcement or, you know, said the, well, at least comments to people, you know what I mean? And I don't. I don't do that Oh, yeah, anymore. totally. Oh, I totally agree 100% because, you know, I knew people prior to my miscarriage that had, you know, had mis- suffered miscarriages or um, stillbirths. And, you know, I never knew what to say, but I would always try and find the best way to say it. And it never really processed to me, like, the level of grief they were feeling until, you yeah. know, then it happened to me. And then you're just like, it just opened your eyes, like, you never want to hear, well, at least you can get pregnant. At least you can try again. It's like, yeah, I'm fully aware that I can try again, but that doesn't change the fact that I want this baby that's gone. Yeah, for sure. Now I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice 
for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? So I've been thinking about this. I would honestly say my one piece of advice is to allow yourself to feel the emotions and don't try and bottle them up. Um, Like I said, I tried to do that in the beginning and it only made things worse. So allow yourself that time to grieve, you know, be open with your partner or your friends, you know, whoever your support system is, how you're feeling and how you're handling everything day to day and just allow yourself to feel the anger, feel, you know, if you need to cry, cry, do it, you know, allow yourself to properly mourn and lost your baby. Cause you know, regardless of whether your baby was only four weeks or 40 weeks, that was still your child and you had an entire life planned for them. So, you know, to, you know, definitely acknowledge that. Yes. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Instagram is definitely the best way to reach me um, at my handle, which is Sarah underscore E underscore Zarb. Okay, awesome. And I'll link that in the description of this episode. You guys reach out. That's what this community is all about. It's, you know, for us to all relate to one another because it's not easy to find that in our real world. At least it wasn't for me. (laughs) So thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story. I so appreciate you. Good luck with everything. Your last week of birth control and moving forward and keep me posted. I will. And you have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally Thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.